Kyle Richards is getting super candid about her separation from Mauricio. We have Teddy chiming in. We've got these new rumors about Dorit and PK living separate lives. And we're going to get into a bit of the Britney book because we're going to talk about it's Britney, bitch. You're listening to No Filter with Zach Peter, your go-to source for all the latest pop culture and reality TVT, surf fresh all week long. Now, let's dive in. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. It's Monday fun day. Um, please send me good juju today because we were having technical difficulties this morning. The dogs have been super just a little too active for me. Um, I got my brows done and I don't love them. So I'm just like, I'm just having a day. Having a day, and it's a big day today. Um, it's it's a big day. Uh, you'll I'll tell you about it later, but it's a big day. Um, but welcome on in, welcome on in, welcome on in. <sighs> I hope you are having a great. I almost said Monday. It's Wednesday. Okay, no, it's okay. It's Thursday, which means we're also going live tonight, right? Wow, I'm like losing my mind, bonkers. But listen, my life can be a little chaotic at the moment. Because it's not as chaotic as Kyle or Dorit. They seem to be going through it right now. So there are these new rumors about Dorit and PK saying that basically they lived. Sue in the live chat is saying, it's Thursday at my house. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, glad. I'm glad it's Thursday at your house. Because at my house, we don't know what day it is. At my house, it's today. That's what day it is. It's today. <laughs> today drained me. And it's only 8.30 in the morning. Um... Dorit and PK, so there's these new rumors that they are living separate lives, that they are separated. They've been separated for a while, which is kind of crazy. I think that there is some truth to these rumors, right? Because I just feel like, I mean, you can kind of see in watching the, the premiere of Real Houses of Beverly Hills, which, yes, thank you. That was my voice kicking off the episode. If you caught the first few seconds of it, I was like, breaking news. Kyle and Mauricio have split. Well, guess what? Breaking news. Dorit and PK seem to have been split as well. They seem to be headed to Splitsville, which is kind of sad, but like, I just, I don't know. I feel like this happens in housewives land. You go on television. It kind of puts, you know, a little extra pressure on your, on your relationship. And you have to kind of face things that maybe you would normally handle in private. And now it's, you, you know, and I also think the robbery had a lot to do with it because she went and, you know, tried to deal with that trauma or she, I feel like she really didn't like she tried to deal with it like on her own and like went to therapy a bit. But I feel like she just pushed herself through it. And I don't know if he was able to kind of anchor her after. And we see that in the trailer, right, where he's kind of just like, I don't understand. Like, I think at some point you kind of need to get over it. And she's like, what do you mean? Get over it. You don't just get over it. So, Yeah. I, I believe the rumors are true. I believe that they're struggling. And I believe that, you know, we're going to see more of that this season. We're going to see them really go through it. But it doesn't look like they're going to make it out the other side because of the rumors. But I just don't think he was able to be there in a way that she needed him to be there emotionally after the robbery. And so I think she's now finding her own independence. And she realizes, like, she doesn't need him anymore. Right. She has fame. She has money. She, you know, has an established brand of her own at this point. I'm not talking about the swimsuit line, but I'm just saying the brand of Dorit Kemsley, like Dorit Kemsley will continue to make her own money. She'll get books. She'll get endorsement deals. Even if she's off the show, she'll continue to find ways to support herself. And I think when you're in a relationship like this, like with PK and, and Dorit or even like Erica and Tom, when there's that power dynamic where one person has the upper hand and they're the ones that are making more of the money, you kind of feel dependent on them. So I think you kind of force yourself to push yourself to stay in certain situations or to work through things because you kind of know you need to stay. You know, there's the love and there's the choosing to stay, but then there's also the, um, the like, I don't know if convenience is the right word, but like the necessity of it, of being like, what would I do? Like I would have to start all over and build from scratch if I were to ever leave my husband, right? Or if I were to ever leave this relationship, how would I do it on my own? And so I think that's that was the case with Dorit and PK. And now she's in a different place where she doesn't need to put up with that. And she can be her own, you know, support because she can provide for herself now and she doesn't need to stay. So... 
I do think, though, it's interesting that Erica kind of predicted this at BravoCon a year ago. And I think it obviously struck a chord very hard with her because I think that there were already cracks. And I think, like I said, we're going to see that play out throughout the season of Real Houses of Beverly Hills, which the premiere was great. I was actually very happy with the premiere. I thought that, it, you know, we had the women coming back together. There wasn't high drama, but I just, you know, I liked kind of seeing a little bit more of Erica's vulnerability. I know there was a scene with her and the empathy, and she's talking to the therapist, and she's saying she doesn't know what empathy is. I think she does know what empathy is, but I think sometimes we put a little pressure on, like, what is empathy? How am I supposed to be empathetic, especially when you're judged for being too cold or too icy, right? Right. Sutton got a horse. Good for Sutton. I I didn't love that like her tagline was about a horse because that makes me think that her whole storyline is going to be about a horse. Garcelle, we got the moment with her sons where they're telling, you know, her. It's just it's so hard. Right. Because you see them and they're like, you weren't there for us. You were working. It kind of felt like you chose your career over your family. And that's heartbreaking because I feel like her as a single mother. Like, the boys are never going to understand that until they're older, right? Until they're adults and they have to provide for themselves or they have to provide for their family. And so I just feel like, you know, it's a tough position to be in and you're never going to be perfect and you're never going to get it land right, you know, because you're going to have to work sometimes and and sometimes you're going to need to take a break from work to give your kids a little more attention and, and love and it's just a delicate balance and you're never going to land it perfectly. So I think Garcelle has mastered it the best that she can. And, you know, unfortunately you're just, your kids are always going to be pissed at you about something. What else do we get? We got Kyle and Mauricio and we're seeing the cracks in their relationship. And I think that these cracks may have always been there or they may have been there for a while, but we're just now starting to see them come to the surface, right? Because now there's a reason for them to film and it's interesting. She said something on, on Watch What Happens Live because her and Teddy were on Watch What Happens Live last night. And she said that, you know, she when Mauricio said that and he said it on camera, she was like, ooh, you said that on camera. Like, I think they've always been a little cognizant of, like, what they do and say and what they reveal about their lives and their relationships on camera. But I think in this sense, we're really starting to see those cracks. And I think because of how we know things end, we're going to continue to see those cracks continue to, to surface on the show. Cause now I think the producers are going through every little bit of footage from the season and they're going to start to really look at those and highlight them and, and bring them to light. Um, what else we have? Okay. So let's talk about her appearance on watch happens live. Cause she's finally addressing the separation from Mauricio. So she says that, yes, they are still separated. They still live in the same house. They technically live together but they don't stay in the same room she says that he stays in the primary bedroom and she now uh, stays in one of the guest rooms and she's like well I couldn't put him in the in the guest room because it has like pink velvet and there's like a closet with glam and and so she is definitely they're definitely not together but she says that she's the one that initiated the separation she's the one that asked for it and I think it is because maybe He's not emotionally fulfilling her. She talks about Alison Dubois. Because remember the e-cigarette. She's like, your husband will never emotionally fulfill you. I don't think she... I don't remember Allison saying that they would never divorce... That she wasn't going to divorce her husband, her Mauricio. But I think she said, like, you guys are not going to be happy once the kids get older and they grow up. He's never going to emotionally fulfill you. And I think that that's true. And I think that's what we're seeing now. But she... And I think that's, you know, Kyle going sober. Um... I think is is definitely a big piece. It's provided a little bit of clarity and she's really starting to look like look at what the rest of her life is going to look like. Um and so she also talks about the Morgan Wade of it all. And she says that they're just friends. Like she finally addressed it and like really talked about it and she's like we're just friends. We're super close. I'm super close with all of my girlfriends. I do think what Mary Mary who was on the show yesterday what she said about um Mary Payne Gilbert what she said about Oh, why did I just lose my train of thought? <laughs> oh, oh, what she said about Mar- the age difference, because we realize Morgan Wade is 28 and Kyle's in her 50s and her early 50s. I do think that that's weird and I do think that that is strange and I'm confused as to how we have a good friendship with somebody that's that much younger. Like, how? Like, what do we talk about? What are we related relating on? Like, you know, do you have the same interests? It's a little strange to me. It's such a big age gap. It's just a little weird but teddy's also younger but teddy's not that much younger 
she's in her 20s. Like, how do you relate? How are you in your 50s relating to somebody in their 20s? It's just strange. It's very, very odd to me. She could be her mother. But, wow, Kyle's actually older than my mother. And I'm, I'm 30. So, yeah, she could be her mother. It's just, it's, it's, I could never imagine myself being like BFFs with somebody that's like 50. You know, it's just bizarre to me. But um, she said that the breakup news or the separation news was initially tough on the kids that at one point they didn't even want to leave the house, you know, because then all of their phones are blowing up and they're getting bombarded with questions. Um, So she says that she was taken aback. Oh, sorry. My friend Steven's calling me and we're live on the YouTube right now. Um, But anyway, so she said that the the family took it really hard. The kids took it really hard. She then gets into Mauricio being spotted with his Dancing with the Stars partner, right? Because we saw the photos that TMZ revealed that they went out to a sushi dinner and then they're holding hands and they're cuddly, right? And she's like, she said that she was very taken aback by it. She said that she was very hurt by it. She said that she was um, very, uh, like, she seems to think that her, I think her gut is telling her that there's something there and there's something to it. Um, and sorry. Um, she says she seems to like allude to the fact that she has questions about it. And she seems to think that there's a little bit of, of a, a thing going on. She's like, you don't just hold hands like that if there's nothing going on. So she was deeply hurt by Mauricio. I guess that's the question of the day, right? Like, is he, I mean, the question was, was he wrong to get intimate with his partner, right? There's the physical chemistry. There's the physical intimacy of dancing and spending so much time together. Um, and like, it, it was natural and he separated. So he's not, together with Kyle. So part of me was like, you know what, Mauricio, you do you. But now I'm like, does she have a right to be upset about this though? I mean, if she's the one that initiated the separation, if she's the one that wanted to take a break and they've now been on a break for a good minute, let's say at best a good six months, right? I think it's probably been longer. I think they've been separated maybe for almost a year now, at least all throughout. Well, I don't know, at least a good six months. We can say that that's fair. Separated for at least solid six months. Um, we know that it's been, it's been over a year since she went sober. It's been over a year since she's been friends with Morgan Wade. I'm going to make you fall in love with me. Well, I mean, Emma, his dance partner, is making him fall in love with her. Okay, but the question is, does Kyle, is she entitled to be upset about this? I think she's entitled to be hurt by it because she obviously loves Mauricio. Well, listen, even when you break up with somebody, right? If you've been together for a really long time or you just had a really special bond, seeing them with somebody new just in general is always going to hurt. It's always going to sting. It's never going to feel fun. Um, So I just, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a tricky situation, you know, and my heart does kind of break for her and it does kind of break for Mauricio because I just feel like, I feel like there is a lot of love still there. But when you see your man, when you see your hubby and he's with another woman, I mean, we know that there have been rumors about other women in the past, but like now it's official. We're seeing him with someone else and he's going to dinner with her and you know that they've been together so Kyle seems to think that there has to be something there and Teddy even adds she's like listen they're in Beverly Hills there are paparazzi literally everywhere like how do you think that you're going to get away with this you're not going to get away with this you just can't like she's like it's not like you're in you know Oklahoma where there's no paparazzi you're in Beverly Hills you're going out to a sushi restaurant Obviously, the paparazzi were already photographing them earlier in the night because Backward had the photos of them going to dinner. So you have to kind of be under, especially with all the the attention with their separation, that like it's natural, you know, that there's going to be that interest. But very quickly, I just want to shout out my pals at HelloFresh before we get more into the Kyle and Mauricio of it all. Because even though fall can feel jam-packed, HelloFresh makes whipping up a home-cooked dinner actually pretty doable with quick and easy options, including their 15-minute meals. That's less time than it takes to get a delivery. I know because I've waited very long times to get deliveries, and that's why I'm uh, I'm loving some HelloFresh because they have everything pre-portioned. It gets delivered right to your door every week. It's a no-brainer. 
We all know that HelloFresh takes the hassle out of mealtime, but did you know that it can also save you some money? HelloFresh is 25% less expensive than takeout, so that means that you can get an easy home-cooked meal on the table and more money back in your pocket. I whipped up some yummy, delicious salmon last night. Ooh, I felt so good. I was like, yes, I got all my things here. It was a quick and easy dinner that I was able to just whip up on, on the spot, and I was very grateful that HelloFresh makes my life easier. They even have limited edition add-ons, so you can get in the HelloFresh market. I'm talking apple cider cake with some caramel sauce, Mm-mm-mm. mini pumpkin cheesecake if you're feeling like a, a pumpkin spice moment. I love getting my my HelloFresh box, all my meals preset, ready to cook. If you guys want to give them a try, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50 no filter and use code 50 no filter for 50% off plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 50 no filter and use code 50 no filter for 50% off plus free shipping. Give America's number one meal kit a try today. Ooh, look at, we just got a, a Carrie H said, looking fresh and beautiful. Thank you, Carrie H. And she sent a lovely super sticker. I That means so much, Carrie, because I'm not feeling fresh and beautiful today. I'm feeling ugh, just a little insecure today. So thank you for the love, my love. Thank you. I just, I feel, you know, I feel puffy. I feel like I'm 20 pounds heavy. I feel, I don't know what I'm feeling. I think I'm just nervous about today, but it's okay. Get ready, guys. Next week will be a good week. Um, okay, what else do we want to talk about from Kyle? We'll we'll get into the Britney book in a second, but um, Kyle and, and Teddy both said that they were unaware of the rumors about Dorit and PK living separately. And interesting, Teddy seemed to throw a little shade at Sutton because Sutton came up a couple times. And it, you can tell that, like, you know, clearly – um, Kyle and Sutton have their issues this season and clearly Sutton and Teddy have had their issues in the past, but I just feel like she was really coming for Sutton. She was saying that she doesn't really trust Sutton because I guess Sutton, I mean, Sutton always stirs the pot. Sutton's messy. Sutton is definitely making Beverly Hills interesting because she just is, is so messy. Um, and I low key love it. I've always low key loved Sutton, even though people thought that I was not a Sutton, like that I turned on Sutton because I was defending Erica, which was even like, I can, you can defend one housewife and that doesn't make you anti other housewife. I've always been, I've had Sutton on, on this show. I don't need to defend any of that. Like I've always loved me some Sutton. She's messy. She's a great housewife. Um, but when it comes to Teddy, she threw a little shade by saying that Sutton always carries vodka in her purse. And I'm just like, why are these girls always shading Sutton and her drinking? Listen, I don't have a purse, but I am always stocked with vodka. Um, Storm Dora said, notice Josh and Sutton's pick on the show. Yes, Josh. Yeah. When we watched the premiere, because I had the screener and we watched it a couple weeks ago. And first my voice came up and I was like, yay, look at that's me. And then his picture came up and we were like, oh, look at there's you. And so that's probably why we liked the episode a little extra because we were we were both in it. But um, but yeah, Teddy definitely threw some major shade at Sutton and the vodka that she carries in her purse. So I don't know if that's true, but listen, I I can appreciate a good drink. I ain't mad at it. Get a girl, get a get a girl to the front, to the right, to the back. Girl, it's your night. I know he thinks you're fine and stuff, but does he know how to wind you up? I think that after the premiere, though, I think the season. So, what are my predictions for the season? I think we're gonna see Dorit and Kyle's marriage marriages really kind of struggle and we're going to see cracks in those relationships. I think now that we know that there are cracks in those relationships that, you know, it'll get heightened as the season goes on. I think Kyle did clarify that, um, Kyle did clarify that the, uh, that she gets annoyed that everybody thinks that her and Mauricio are doing this for, a storyline. She's like, that's absolutely not true. I'm not doing this for a storyline. Like, that's annoying. Like, who would even, even Andy was kind of annoyed with that. And I agree. Like, I've always said, I don't think that people do these things for storylines. Like, I think they happen to sign up for a reality show and then their, their lives happen to just play out the way that they do. And it's, it's tough sometimes and it sucks and you just kind of have to live your life and, and navigate through it the best that you can. Um, so we'll see. 
We'll see what happens. But I think we'll see their relationships go through. I think we're going to see Dorit and PK move further apart. We're going to see Kyle and Morgan's friendship a lot more. I think that they're friends. I think after seeing her on Watch What Happens Live, I think I don't think they're scissor sisters. I don't think they're long lost sisters. I think however their friendship came to be, I genuinely believe that they are just friends. So I think that's I think she needs a good like emotional companion. So the rumors. Um, oh, can we please talk about the rumor about PK getting a DUI with another girl in the car? Yes, Alyssa. I, so I did hear the rumor, and that's where I think Teddy brought up the Sutton drinking thing is because um, the rumor was that when PK got his DUI that there was a woman in the car with him. I don't know where that rumor came. I think it came from that swamp thing, Dana Wilkie. I think she's the one that kind of put that out there, but, I mean, we all know she lies. Low budget, low budget, low budget, but... So Teddy said that she read the actual police report and in the police report, they said that it's, it didn't say that there was anybody else in the car with him. It said that he was solo. So unless she like, well, no, she couldn't, I was going to say, unless she dipped out and called herself an Uber, the police report said that he was by himself. So I think, you know, um, I don't think that that's true. I don't think that he was with another woman. Um, but I mean, I don't know. He does. I mean, if they are, if he has been living in, in a hotel and we know that he's been going back and forth um, to Europe. And so maybe, you know, maybe there's somebody in Europe. I don't know. Do we think PK would cheat on Dorit? Men do it all the time, right? I, I don't want to say I wouldn't be surprised because I really like Dorit, but I just, I don't know. But no, I don't believe that that rumor is true. And Teddy confirmed that on Watch What Happens Live last night that the police report says that that seems to debunk that theory. Um, anything else? What other predictions? I think this will be Erica's redemption season. We're going to see her rebuild herself. I don't think she's going to get into as much of the drama um, as we've seen her in the past, especially after the last two seasons. Like, you know, she, I think she's going to be a little more tame. Teddy, or, or not Teddy, Sutton said when he was on, he did the, she did the live show for virtual reality with Evan Real. And she told Evan that, um, Erica got a lobotomy and she doesn't seem to talk very much this season. And that's why she Sutton had to get messy. I'm like, well, shit, she had to defend herself for two seasons. Like give, give the girl a break. Right. But, um, yeah. So I don't think that those rumors are true, but I do think that they're living separate and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they, he did have a side piece. So those are my thoughts. Should we talk about the Britney book? It's Britney bitch. Um, I'm halfway through the book, so I'll do a halfway recap. We're just going to get up to, we'll talk about Justin Timberlake and we'll t- talk about K-Fed because that's mostly what we get into. I read, I got to the part where she shaves her head. So we're going to get up, which I think is a fair place because it's going to talk, the first part of the book is all about her career and, you know, the trials and tribulations in her career and in her relationships before we get into, you know, after, Because when she shaved her head, that's when, you know, people started to think that she went crazy and that's the conservatorship and all that messiness. So we'll get into that messiness next week, but we'll talk about the Britney book, at least for now. So she does, I re- I'm listening to the audiobook as well. She doesn't read her own audiobook. She does an intro at the beginning and she basically says that... Um, She's like, it's just too traumatic for me to relive a lot of this stuff. So, which did give me a little bit of hesitation because I was kind of like, why? Like, you didn't read. Oh, my God. Sorry, guys. My phone is blowing up right now. Um, She says that she, she doesn't read back the audiobook. And somebody else wrote the book for her because she had a ghostwriter, which makes me a little iffy, right? Because I'm like, mm, then how much of this can we really verify? Or at least that that's what I was thinking going into it when we started the the introduction and you hear her talk about how, you know, she's, I don't know, I don't really remember. The first part of the book was actually pretty boring, I'm not going to lie. The first few chapters, she talks about her grandparents and her grandpa and her dad was, is an alcoholic because he had a traumatic childhood and so her grandpa was ruthless and toothless and her dad became a really ugly violent alcoholic she grew up in the south she loved growing up in the south she loved her great grandmother um yeah she's really close with her brother um 
she is, and that was the other weird part of the beginning of the book too. She talks a lot about not just her grandparents, but like the early phases of her parents' relationship before she was even born. So I'm also kind of just like, you're retelling stories that I'm sure you heard. And then a ghostwriter is writing this and then somebody else is reading it, that it just was like, "Mm, you know, even real writers have ghostwriters. I'm sure it's legit. No, I'm, I, I get that. But my thing is, after all the trauma that she's endured and with, you know, I, clearly there's a little bit of some, um, you know, some mental health issues that she's struggling with lately. I don't think that there's any way you can't struggle with that. Right. And so I feel like, especially after everything she's been through and being a child star, and I'm not like trying to drag Brittany. I'm just trying to be like, we need to be honest about like what the, the situation is, you know, um, with when it comes to Brittany. And I have a lot of empathy for her and my opinions change a lot getting later into the book because she is so vulnerable and she is so raw, but I do have concerns if there are other people only because I've, listen, I've written four books that like I remember writing my book and there would be editors that would try to change things or they would cut things out that I thought were really important context to certain stories. And, you know, you don't always have, you don't have full control over, you know, what the final publication is, you know, for the most part, I think maybe, Sometimes they want to punch things up or make things sound a little more salacious. But if you're not willing, like when you write a book, you have to go through it several times, like 11 rounds of, of redos and edits that like sometimes, you know, you put something out and you write, a, you tell a story and then you reread it and then other pieces of your memory come back or you're like, no, I actually in rereading that, I think my, I'm looking at it from a different lens that it's just, it was a little concerning knowing that she didn't read the book back, that she kind of just put it out there. There, and I, which makes me a little concerned about how much back checking there was or wasn't, especially when she's talking about like her, her parents' upbringings. But anyway, like I said, the first like seven, eight chapters were boring because all they talk about is like her childhood and then she joins Mickey Mouse Club and she, you know, hangs out with Christina Aguilera and she um, uh, hangs out with Justin Timberlake and Ryan Gosling. And then she was on Star Search and she wanted to, she wanted to be a star. She always knew that she wanted to be an entertainer. She always knew that she wanted to put on a performance. All eyes on me in the center of the ring, just like a, just like a circus. I've been listening to a lot of Brittany lately, and I've been loving it. She said that she wanted to be a star like Madonna. She seems to really look up to Madonna a lot in the book. She speaks very highly of Madonna, again, at least until chapter 25, the first the first half of the book. She was excited about the Mickey Mouse Club and booking that gig. She says that when she was young, that she, her mother would allow her to drink daiquiris and white Russians. And I know a lot of people are giving her mom shit for this. And I get it. Like, she's young. She's a teenager. We shouldn't be allowing our kids to drink. But at the same time, I think a lot of parents do that. A lot of parents are like, as long as you're here and I can monitor it and I can monitor you drinking it's fine. And my interpretation of now not just getting that piece from the headlines, but actually getting it from the actual book, it doesn't seem like Brittany had an issue with that. It seemed like she enjoyed being able to bond with her mom. That was a little concerning as a mother for her, for, for her mom, because it's like, Ooh, this is how your daughter feels connected to you as you guys are acting like friends and you guys are drinking together. Like to me, that was, that was a bit challenging. So uh, we're going to get into some of the headlines. So this is one of the headlines about how her mom let her drink when she was younger. It didn't seem like she, Brittany, was that bothered by it. Again, it, it's not great that your parents are giving you alcohol at such a young age. She was like, what, 13, 14 at this point. But she says that she was very grateful to have those special moments with her mom. She said that they had a lot of fun. They'd even dress up Jamie Lynn like a little baby doll when she came. They wore makeup and smoked cigarettes and she drank as a teen and she loved her cigarettes. She loved to just rip into a good cig. But she said that the cigarette part she hid from her mom. Her mom was fine with the drinking, but she was like, mm, I'm not going to let her know that I'm a, I'm a smoker. I'm a chain smoker. But yeah, she said that um, she tried to hide it from her mom. She was also a terrible liar. She said that she was drinking and smoking and she was just super precocious. And then she talks about losing her virginity to her best friend. She liked him. She had a big crush on him. He was a bad boy. She loved to be attracted to the bad boys. But so she talks about losing her virginity as a teenager. I think she was 15 at the time when she lost her virginity, which goes against like the image that they were putting out there. Oh yeah, they, they smoke Virginia. She likes Virginia Slims. That's what she would smoke. Um, 
but she talks about how she talks about losing her virginity and it sounded like it was special, which good for her. Nobody really has a good losing their virginity story, right? It's always awkward. It always hurts. Something's always weird or off. And I'm glad that she was able to drink her daiquiris and smoke her Virginia Slims and, and have sex with her best friend. And it was great. Good for Brittany. Live, live, she was living life and doing the damn thing. But then we get into her music career because then she is ready to become a star. And she knew that she knew what she wanted and she was ready to just keep her eye on the prize and go all in. And she was very ambitious. I was actually pretty impressed with her work ethic. I didn't know much about Britney other than tabloids, headlines, and, you know, obviously the music. But she talks about how much she loves dancing. She talks about the baby one more time music video and how that whole concept was her idea. Her team wanted to do something completely different, but she was willing to take risks and she was willing to just kind of really follow like what her vision was. Um, because she said that at that point she was new and she was still anonymous that, you know, she wasn't expecting her career to blow up the way that it did as quickly as it did. And then she dropped her baby one more time single. And that's when her career really took off. And she went on tour with NSYNC. And that's when she fell fell madly in love with Justin Timberlake. And oh my God, you guys, the way she writes about Justin, like makes me want to fall in love with an NSYNC boy. Because she just like, you can tell she loved him so much and loves him so much to this day. And I know everyone hates Justin Timberlake, but she... Really, like, you have to love the love that she has for him because you can tell that that's still so special. And think about you. Think of your first love or that one person that just really left a good impression on you um, in that, like, love-wise. That's always going to be special to you. However it ended, whatever, wherever it landed, whether that person's still in your life or not in your life or whatever, like, that's always going to be special. And hearing her talk about that, makes me happy to know that she got to be in such a deep love that was more than just a teenage infatuation. And she says that in the book, that it wasn't just an infatuation. She was infatuated with him, but she also really fell in love with him. And she said that he loved rap music and he loved uh, working with black artists. And um, there's a poem where, where I think it's, who's it, Michelle Williams, who read the book. There's a point where like she talks about how he, what was it, fascism, machism, she was like making fun of him and how he would like use that vernacular. And he just, I don't know, he wanted to be black clearly, but she talks about meeting Mariah Carey and meeting Madonna and she loved them. She'd had so many nice things to say about Mariah. She's like, Mariah was a star. Mariah had a ring light and Mariah was the first person to ever have a ring light. But she said that, I don't know her. It just, these, these chapters were really fun. Once it tried the chapter 10 is where it starts to pick up. Right. Or chapter nine, I say is where it starts to pick up. We get out of all the childhood stuff and, you know, having big dreams and ambitions. But by chapter 11 is when she really talks about blowing up and, you know, she's like, I was keeping the magazines in business. I was getting all these opportunities. Like she, then she got crossroads and she's like, I love doing crossroads and I love taking a risk and trying acting, but she also hated acting because she's like, I'm somebody that will really throw myself into it, like method acting. And she said that she really became her character and that's why she doesn't like to act because she doesn't like kind of losing herself. And she said, even Justin would be like, what are you do? like? Who are you? You're such a different person right now. And she's like, I was so in character and she didn't like it. She lost sight of who, of what's real and who's real. And that's why she said that she's grateful that she didn't end up getting the role of Allie in the notebook. And ultimately it went to Rachel McAdams. And that's why we saw her audition and she was great at it. Right. She's actually a good actress, but I think, you know, she just saw that it wasn't for her. Um, she talks about how special Justin was and how she was just madly in love with him. She talks about the denim on denim look. And she was like, that was my idea, but I initially meant it as a joke. And then the stylist went with it and then Justin went with it. And then it was such a moment. She's like, but we didn't care. We were just, we were giddy and we were in love. And she says that she knew that he cheated on her and, you know, but she was just so infatuated and so in love with him that she didn't care you know, they were going to work it out. They were going to last until the end, right? And then, you know, she talks about how he was photographed with one woman and there were all these rumors that he was sleeping around and he had all these girlfriends. And, you know, then she's like, but listen, it's okay. I cheated one time too. She's like, I made out with, with Wade Robson at a, at a Spanish bar. And so 
but I'm like, but you made out with Wade Robson. He's Justin was like actually sleeping with other people. I wonder if Justin looks back at the on that time in his life and if he feels the same way. If he was equally as in love, if he was equally as into her as she was to him. I don't know if he was. And that's what makes me so he had to have been though. Like, how do you not have that? I don't know. He had to have loved her back. But I think his ambition and the fame are ultimately what blinded him and why he ended up doing what he did to her. Because I think it really was, I think that they really were in love, but he just had such, he just loved himself or he loved the life that he wanted to build more. He loved the fame. And she does talk about that later when we get into the K-Fed stuff, but she said that they worked through the cheating and they were willing to work it out. She thought that they'd be together forever. She loved him so much. Then she gets into the abortion and she said that Justin thought that they were way too young to have a baby. She didn't want to push him to have a baby if he wasn't truly ready because she was only willing to do this if they were both ready and willing to do it together. I think that there was a, well, actually, here's the thing is I thought that the managers and her parents and everybody found out that she was pregnant. That was my theory. I was like, everybody had to have influenced her to have this abortion because of what a scandal it would have been. And that's not true. She says that she, her pregnancy was secret and the abortion was a secret that nobody knew about the abortion, um, that they did it together. They did it at home. She didn't go to the doctor. She didn't want anybody to find out about it. And she said that, you know, She'd never do it, have an abortion on her own, but she did it because, you know, her and Justin just weren't ready. And he, you know, she felt, I don't know if confidence is the right word, but it seems like she was like, okay, this is the decision that we're making. We're going to have an abortion and, but we're not going to tell anybody because we don't want it to get out there and we don't want it to be a big spectacle or whatever. So she had the abortion at home and she said that, you know, after she took the pills that Justin laid with her. And he played his guitar to try and comfort her. And like he, you know, was there with her. And they were able to like bond in that moment, which oh, it just, I don't know. It kind of makes me sad. It's like, it's hard because you hear the way she talks about Justin. And then you're like, well, how do, how are we supposed to be mad at him? Obviously he did. Well, we'll get into that, but he did some really terrible things to her. Um, but she said that after that, he started working on his next album. And in working on his next album, that's when he started to become really distant. And she says as much as he hurt her, that she still loved him so much. He broke up with her via text message. And she said that she would just sob. And she was so heartbroken by it. She was in such a deep depression. It devastated her. She was just in Louisiana trying to isolate herself. And he ended up flying to Louisiana and writing her a handwritten letter that he personally delivered. And she said that he ended that letter by saying, I can't breathe without you. So I'm thinking, you know, he had to have left her. I think maybe there was a bit of ego and he was resenting how successful she was becoming. Um, I don't know. But she said that the letter didn't even bring her any sort of closure, that she felt like she was suffocated after their breakup and after, you know, she was no longer with him. Because like he said, he said, I can't breathe without you. And she said, I felt that same way. And now without him, I'm suffocating. Then we get into chapter 14. And she was like, listen, even though I, I was broken up, I had contract obligations and I still had to work. And so that was a big dot, dot, dot. I do like that, we, that she talks about the letter, though, because, again, in the press, we just hear that he broke up with her via text. And that's all we get. We don't get the context of like, no, he ended up flying to Louisiana and handwriting her letter and whatever. And so it does seem like he didn't want to hurt her. And she writes in the book that she thinks part of the reason he became distant in writing the new album is because he realized he was going to have to hurt her in promoting the album because ultimately he tarnishes her reputation and makes her out to be like this, you know, this slut pig. Um, she says that his family became her family. So when it was time to like celebrate the holidays without him, that it was hard because now she had to celebrate with her family. She's like, I don't even really like my family. And then she does not like her little sister. She called Jamie Lynn a little bitch. She's like, Jamie Lynn is such a little bitch. And she ruled that house and she was such an ungrateful brat. And I bought her a house and she stole my goddamn house. No, she didn't really say that, but. I just, she really came for Jamie Lynn in the book. And I was like, wow, she called you, you called your, your sister a little bitch friends as a little girl. Okay. Get a girl, get a, get a girl. But, um, she talks about Justin releasing his new music and the Crimea river music video coming out. And she said, you know, he used her 
And even though he used her to make that a success, he failed to mention all the times that he cheated on her. So she's like, bitch, cry me a river, right? You're going to act sad that I cheated on you. You're going to act sad that I kissed Wade. You were over there, you know, screwing all the Spice Girls. So she said that that was the culture, though, that at that point you paint the woman in a bad light. And that's just what it is. The man gets to to get a, a break and he gets to live his life however he chooses to live his life. And it's fine. But she said that she's grateful that he spoke about her in a sexual way. She's like, because it broke my virgin image. I was finally able to talk about the fact that Justin and I did have sex and that I'm a woman that has sex. She's like, I've been having sex since I was a teenager and I wasn't allowed to talk about that because I was supposed to have this good girl virgin image. And at least now I could be more of a bad girl. I can be who I really am without, you know, without people judging me for it. But she says that, you know, she didn't like that he made it out to be like she was a cheating slut, not just, you know, a little slutty, but she was a cheating slut. Um, and she started to believe that, that you know, she was the bad guy in all of this because that's the way that Justin positioned it. That's the way the media was positioned. And she's like, at some point, I started to believe that story that I was the bad guy and I was the one that was deserving of all these terrible things. And then she talks about how Justin hooked up with 15 to 16 girls right after the breakup. And she's like, I couldn't even look at anybody. But then she found Colin Farrell. And she drove right up to the set of his movie and she approached him and she called, she said that they had a two week brawl because it was just the, the Colin Farrell of it is kind of fun too. She's like, it, it, it was fast and furious, like Shannon Bedore ripping down the streets of Newport beach. Right. It was crazy, but she loved it. He took her to a film premiere. Um, and you know, she wishes that there could have been something there, but I guess there just wasn't. She doesn't really talk about why or how it ended, but she called it a two-week brawl, which means there were probably a lot of highs and lows. And, you know, when you have all those highs and lows, it's usually not sustainable. Um, she, says, she talks about Madonna, really looked up to Madonna a lot. She says that Madonna was a great mentor, pushed her out of her comfort zone. She's very grateful for her. Um, she loved that Madonna did things on her own terms, in her own way, and that inspired her to be more like that. She's like, Madonna demanded power, and she got power. She talks about the Diane Sawyer interview. And she talks about how harsh that was because Diane asked her about Justin. And that was the interview where she started crying. Um, she's like, I wasn't even doing many interviews at that point. I didn't want to talk about Justin. Anytime his name came up, I would just bawl and cry. And it was so hard. And that interview was so harsh because she kept throwing these hardball questions at me. So she said that she felt like she'd been exploited. She talks about living with Paris Hilton or living it up with Paris Hilton. She said that Paris was a big support system for her at this time. So she lived, she said that Paris is just somebody that she was able to be herself around and she felt very free around. She talks about marrying Justin Alexander in Vegas. Remember the 55 hour wedding? <laughs> I mean, listen, she's a little ruthless and toothless here. Cause she's like, listen, we were not in love. I, she's like, I want to make it very clear. I was not in love. I was just drunk and horny and bored. And I was like, okay. <laughs> She said that he was a childhood friend and he was her best friend and that, you know, they just, they were having a moment. They were living life. They were doing the damn thing. They were drunk in love or drunk. I don't, they weren't in love. She said that it wasn't love. She's like, we, she was like, we just did it as a joke. We were like, we're bored and we're just like, let's get married in Vegas. And so they went and got married in Vegas and she said that they had to immediately get it annulled because her family was so upset they immediately got involved and like, you are not marrying this man. You're going to have to get this annulled. And she said that she was kind of upset by that. She said that she thinks that they may have been motivated by the fact that they were all financially dependent on her. I think there may have been an element of like wanting to protect her too. Right. But, um, she's like, I like that I married him and I wish I kind of could have seen that through on my own because I mean, listen, maybe it could have worked out. Maybe it wouldn't have worked out. I don't know. But I just think, you know, Brittany, Definitely was not upset about marrying him and, you know, but I, I, I get the financial interest, right? If you're like, this is your husband, there's no prenup. Like I understand all of the, that side of stuff, but at the same time, yeah, she only married him for 55 hours. Then we get into K-Fed and she loved K-Fed. Okay. Let me tell you that. I didn't realize how much she loved these men. She, it sounds like when she loves, she loves hard. So she says that K-Fed was steady. He was strong. He was a comfort. She said it was absolutely not lust, despite how much people judge their relationship. It was not about lust. She said that he would just hold her and that he was so intimate and she felt safe with him. You know, she didn't know he had previous kids. First red flag, right? He didn't disclose that up front. So she wasn't happy about that. But 
she brought him on tour with her and they just continued to really hit it off. She asked him to marry her. He said no. Then he asked her to marry him. She said that touring was kind of hard, though, because she was still grieving the loss of Justin um, or the loss of her relationship with Justin. She thought that Kevin would give her stability and he kind of did so that nobody wanted them together. Nobody wants to see us together, but it don't matter. No, no, no. She talks about Jamie Lynn and um, she talks about, oh, oh, she said that nobody wanted them together, but she, her, because eventually she does marry him. We know that. And so she said that that, that marrying him gave her power because she, she's like, nobody wants me to marry this man, but you know what? I love him and I want to marry this man and I'm going to marry him, period, end of story, dot. Madonna would be proud. And she said that after marrying him is when she really wanted or started to take control of her life. And she fired her team. She got new managers. She took some time off from work. And she, like, really, you know, seemed to be interested and invested in this marriage and in being not just his wife, but, like, the mother of his kids. She talks about Jamie Lynn and the Alexa Nichols thing because we know Alexa Nichols was an actress on Zoe 101. And there was drama between Jamie Lynn and Alexa. or Alexis or Alexa? I think it's Alexa. Um, she doesn't name her in the book, but I, I know because she's recently spoken out and she's like, I remember when Brittany came in and Brittany yelled at me and it was, they were all lies. Jamie Lynn said that I was being mean to her and I was spreading rumors about her. So Brittany came into her and came in here and scolded me. And then Brittany's like, I apologize for that. Cause that poor actress, I realized my sister was lying and she made me go yell at this poor girl for no reason, no damn reason. Then she talks about being pregnant. She loved being pregnant. She loves being a mom. But it was really hard because the paparazzi always wanted to get photos of her and, and the media always wanted to paint her as an unfit mother. She didn't think that Kevin would ditch her like he did his exes. But ultimately, that's what, what happened. She said that he got enthralled with the fame. And she hates fame. She says that fame is not real and she's not good at being famous. But obviously, her exes are really good at being famous because they knew how to use her to capitalize off of her and make themselves even, even more famous. She tried to keep her kids safe and she tried to keep her family safe, but the paparazzi were relentless. She said that, you know, having kids like help, like, I don't know if she said helped, but like she talks about how she had to relive some of her own childhood traumas through her kids. And that was interesting. And that was a journey for her to work through. But she said that it was all really hard for her. The touring, the breakup of Justin, fighting to keep her, fighting to get married to Kevin and then fighting for her marriage and then watching her marriage slowly start to break down. And then the pressures of being a woman in Hollywood and the pressures of being a new mom, not just the pressure of being a new mom, but the pressure that people were putting on her to be a new perfect mom. And she said that it was just, it was a lot for her. It was a lot. And she was approaching her breaking point. She talks about the Blackout album, which which is that's the Gimme More album, great album, the probably one of her best albums. Love the Blackout album. We have Break the Ice. We have um, Gimme Gimme More, Gimme More. She talks about the the end of her marriage though. She said Kay Fed like bless his heart thought he was like a real rapper and thought that he was actually going to become like really famous, but um, her attorney kept telling her. Like, you're, he's going to file for divorce. He's going to file for divorce. Like, you should do it first. You should be the first one to file for divorce. And, you know, don't let him divorce you. Like, you should be the one to do it. So she did. And then she was crucified in the press. And she's like, everyone was excited about my divorce but me. She said that Justin and K-Fed both knew what they were doing. And they used her to make her careers. She's like, I was not my manipulative. She's like, I don't know how to play the fame game. I don't know how to be a celebrity. She's like, I'm not manipulative and ruthless and toothless like that. She's like, I was just naive. I was just in love. I loved these men. And she clearly still loves them, even though they hurt her the way that they did. She clearly has so much love. She talks about Paris Hilton and how Paris was really supportive of her after, um, after the breakup. She said that, you know, Paris was kind of like an anchor for her. She's like, but I want to be very clear that we don't do, we didn't do drugs. That was the thing in the media that people are like, oh my God, Paris and Lindsay and Brittany, they're out partying. She's like, we love to drink and we love to get drunk, but we were never doing drugs or she, at least Brittany wasn't. She doesn't say anything about Paris or Lindsay, but she says that even that night when you saw the three of them partying out, she's like, everyone thought that we were like crazy on drugs. She's like, but we were just drunk. She's like, I was Liddy City. I was living life. And her mom was upset with her and her mom was shaming her for that. And she said that even though she was going through a divorce, her mom gave her absolutely no grace. And that was tough because she needed her mama. But she said that the only drug she ever really took was Adderall. She liked it, but she said that she didn't do anything else. She, not even weed. She didn't like to smoke weed. She's like, I was just a drinker. I was a drinker and I love my Virginia Slims. She's just real chill, right? She's from Louisiana, right? She's just real chill from Louisiana. Barefoot and pregnant. She just wanted to live that simple life. 
She wanted to be a big star, but she also just wanted to live a simple life. Um, okay, and then the, the last chapter, and this is where I I uh, finish the book, and we'll get into the second half of the book next week because now we've gotten into the the divorce and the demise of her relationships. This is where she talks about after the after the divorce when she felt like all of her freedom and security were ripped away because she's like Justin and Kevin were able to like do whatever they wanted and live their lives however you know they chose to. They weren't judged for being bad fathers in the press. They weren't judged for not you know not being a perfect husband or cheating or whatever. She's like, I'm the one that always had to take the brunt of it. And then, you know, Kevin went and took the kids from her and he was trying to fight her in a custody battle. And she's like, the part that killed me the most is because I don't think she believes that he really wanted the kids because obviously he's had previous kids and she knew how little involved he was in their lives. And that's not to say he didn't grow up and change, but um she says that he he kept the kids from her and she thinks that it was all a publicity stunt because he wanted to make sure that he was still positioned as the good guy and she was positioned as the bad girl. Same thing with Justin Timberlake, right? So he kept the kids. She went to go and try and see them. And he wouldn't let her it happen. It played out in front of the paparazzi. And I, I believe that he was doing this for the media attention and trying to, to save his image. And so she's like, that was the part that like killed me when that happened and the paparazzi were there and it made it look like I couldn't have access to my kids. She's like, as much as the, I think the, the narrative was that she wasn't a good mother, it sounds like she really was trying to be such a good mom. And I think she was a good mom. I don't think she was a bad mom at all. Um, at least not at that time, but she said that that was the moment that led her to shape her head. She's like, I was just done. She's like, I, that, that was my fuck you to the world. She's like, I was grieving my kids being taken. I was grieving everything that I hadn't been allowed to grieve. My relationship with Justin, my lack of power and control in my career, my relationship with Kevin, the fact that these men have betrayed me. She's like, I, there was so much, you know, not being a perfect mom or, and trying to be a perfect mom. And so it killed her. She's like, that was shaving my head. Everyone thought that I went crazy. She's like, but I didn't go crazy that I was just saying, fuck off. Fuck off is what she was saying to everybody. So she's like, but I want to be clear. I was not going crazy. I was not having a mental break. Maybe she did after, but she said like in that moment, this was just her way of being like, you know what? Screw this. Screw you. You want me to be pretty. You want me to look like this. You want me to do this. Like I'm not doing it anymore. I'm done she was oh well there you go guys we talked about kyle and mauricio we talked about dorit and pk we talked about britney it's britney bitch so yeah there we go that's what we got that's what we got um thank you guys for joining me live this morning or for just joining me on a lovely thursday today is thursday right i keep thinking it's wednesday it's not Wednesday, it's Thursday. Oh my God, my brain is all over the place this week. My schedule is just crazy and I'm trying, I'm trying, you guys, I'm trying, I'm trying and I'm loving it. Um, my life is a roller coaster right now and I'm loving every fucking second of it and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'm so uh, booked and busy, but so in love with it. I wouldn't change anything, to be honest. But thank you for giving me a little grace when I get a little cuckoo crazy. Um, but I love you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend. I will be live tonight to tape our YouTube members only bonus episode of No Filter Plus will drop on the podcast on Friday. So if you're subscribed to No Filter Plus, you get your bonus episode every Friday. Friday. Um, so yeah, get ready for that. I'm probably going to have some good tea to spill. It's I, I actually think there's something that I'm going to that I'm going to tease in in the the no filter plus bonus episode on Friday a little bit of tea that I'm gonna spill still uncertain if I'm gonna name some names but anyway we're gonna uh, tape that tonight on YouTube so you can become a member of the Zach Pack on YouTube or you can subscribe to No Filter Plus for your bonus episode follow me at Just Plain Zach all over the internet follow the podcast at No Filter with Zach and have a great weekend guys love you mean it ciao for now.